What's going on, drinking buddies? Happy fucking 2021. We're seven days in and it's already fucking wild. Holy shit. I don't know about you, but I spent all of fucking yesterday glued to the fucking news. I, I just, wow. It was fucking, woo, fucking crazy yesterday. That being said, welcome to the first podcast of 2021. This one uh, was sadly recorded back in 2020. But before we get into it, you know what we got to do. We got to run a couple ads. Yeah. Those fine folks that bring you me in this podcast for another fucking year and possibly forever. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the video versions of a Now We Drink. That's right. Experience the madness in full HD on Vimeo, ad-free, less edits. You know, occasionally some nudity happens. Occasionally. So check that out today for $6.99 a month or $1 an episode. With the $6.99 a month, you get all... This is the 88th video episode that's up. You get this and all the other ones. Unlimited streaming. Just unlimited. Watch them as much as you want. Or you can buy them for $0.99 cents an episode. So check that today at www.anwd.net slash videos. Once again, that is www.anwd.net slash videos. We are also brought to you by the Twitch stream. That's right, guys. Since the pandemic has started, I've been Twitch streaming every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I've been going deep into Cyberpunk 2077. Deep. I also have been doing some Among Us, playing Fortnite on Monday still. Come hang in the chat. Have some fun. Make me do some shots. That's the thing you can definitely do is get me to do shots on stream. It's a really fucking good time. So check that out at twitch.tv slash Slayer. That once again is twitch.tv slash Slayer. Oh, and also before I forget, we also have a merch store now at anwd.net slash merch. Once again, that's anwd.net slash merch. I'm updating it and making goofy shirts all the time. Last, but certainly not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please has one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. It comes packaged with things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, album-inspired art prints, and custom cocktail pairing recipes. We all need more music in our lives. We need... The ability to just, you know, unplug, chill, listen to music. And Vinyl Me Plays is the best way to do that. Get that nice, warm vinyl sound. And Vinyl Me Plays isn't like Record of the Month Clubs of old. It's month to month, no strings attached, cancel anytime. If this sounds like a good time to you like it does to me, sign up today at www.joinvmp.com slash anwd. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com slash A-N-W-D. My guest this week is adult director, performer, producer, Michael Vegas. Michael and I go all over the place. I mean, we talk about the state of the biz, how you you get in if you are a new performer, psychedelics, near-death experiences, Breaking his foot at Burning Man. A whole lot of shit. This is a fun episode. A little bit of technical difficulties here and there in it. But all in all, 
a good fucking time. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy drinking buddies. audio audience michael vegas is making himself a tiki drink you're missing you're missing out if you're not watching this on video i'm telling you the naked juice pina colada mix is like pre-made tiki ground nutmeg we need alexardo (laughs) do you know these the original machine machine cherry i love machine cherries these are like if you condensed maraschino cherries into like extra condensed matter and then made them back into a cherry. Hell yeah. Never had them. Okay. Oh my God. They will improve everything about life. They're like everything you want about a maraschino cherry. Makes that better. I'm in. I'm fucking in. Where's a mug? Needs a mug. Needs a drink. Oh no, just mix them all together in your mouth. You'll be fine. So while you're making this drink, Michael, how the fuck have you been? Yes, sir. Man, I've been really good. I moved to a new place, and so I have more space and like room to thrive as a human being, which is great. I don't have a neighbor that's trying to evict me anymore. That's great. That's also great. I <laughs> I have a place to like juggle and fire spin and create, shoot content, and do all the things that I do, which I love. So, are you guys still nice? Hell yeah. You guys still in LA or? Yeah, we're still, we moved to uh, San Gabriel Valley. Oh, nice. So, LA, LA County. Yeah, LA ish. I'm just, you know, you didn't run away to Vegas like half the industry. No, man. I just held out hopes and found affordable housing around here. That's fucking impressive. (laughs) Yes, it was. Um, But, you know, I think the key is. To look when you don't need it. I'm just planning to die in this apartment. Like, I'm just hoping to just live here forever. Syrup is like blood, truly. Oh, hell yeah. I love being in Hollywood. I don't want to leave. Man, I just, I couldn't do Hollywood. It was, uh, it's too much for me. I did, I enjoyed it while I was there. Don't get me wrong. But... The I just need more space than Hollywood can afford me. No, I totally get that. Luckily, you know, all I need is space to be able to record in, so I'm good there. Yeah, fire spinning indoors in Hollywood, not the jam. <laughs> no, no, I mean it might be one time, and then uh, you'd be homeless. And one good one, right? Yep. Just... Neighbors must hate it. Yeah, now I can like walk outside do fire spinning at my like on my porch hell yeah my my living room looks like a hunting lodge you'll see shortly (laughs) for the audio version it really does it looks like something out of a 1950s hunting lodge dude this house was built uh the remodel was done in 1941 and we found the blueprint 
prints for it in here. And uh, it's <laughs> it's just like this creepy old space. I love it so much. I don't know where to sit. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm ready. All right. We do. I mean, your living room looks like a dive bar I'd like to drink in. That's, ah, bless you. <laughs> bless you. This is like half of my, uh, I mean, that's like all of my aesthetic. I just, I like everything to look like a set. You know, I always want to be able to take a photo and just like start an impromptu fireside chat at any moment. You definitely have the aesthetic for it now. You guys on the yeah. audio only version, you are completely missing out on like the Michael Vegas aesthetic right now. I mean, I, I feel like he's not dressed pro- properly. I feel like he should be in a smoking jacket at the moment, but. Smoking jackets in the wash. Ah. It's also raining like it's raining like crazy here, and this is my uh, waterproof jacket. Well, I hope it's not raining indoors. <laughs> uh, no, fortunately not. That's actually this is the first time it's rained since I've lived here, right? And when I woke up this morning to thunder and lightning and rain, I was just like, I don't hear a single leak. Like I've managed to secure a non-leaking housing. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell okay. yeah. Small wins as an adult these days. Right. 2020, it's like, oh, hey, it's not raining on the inside. Fucking win. Absolute yeah, fucking dude, win. That's, that's big time news right there. Okay. Settling in. We're good. Oh, yeah. So, Matt, tell me what's good in 2020. Whiskey. Whiskey is good. Whiskey is very good. Yes. Have you tried Screwball, the peanut butter whiskey? I have not. Everyone, So, everyone oh. tells me I should try it. And it's one of those things where, like, Normally, I am a whiskey should taste like whiskey person, mm-hmm. but some people I trust are like, oh, no, it's actually really good. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. So with, I didn't know what to expect because I had no hopes or dreams for it. When you taste it, you get like that whiskey beginning, but the finish is not a whiskey burn. It's like you had just eaten a peanut butter cookie previously to taking a shot of whiskey so it's like a it's like smoother in your mouth and it doesn't like hurt your throat on the way down like a regular whiskey would hmm i I really like that i'm I'm kind of imagining it being kind of sugary though not really it's 70 proof Uh. it's 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 not like a full full full-on liqueur well, with your recommendation and the others who, that have re- recommended it, I will give it a shot at some point. I can't promise I'll go out and buy a bottle, but if someone presents me with it, I won't just be like, no, no. Be <sighs> gone with your free beverage. Well, I'm, hell, you try to hand me Fireball or SoCo, I will do that. Oh, dude, SoCo. When I began my drinking extravaganza, of, I was going to say like 2002. I don't know when I started drinking. <laughs> When I could start buying my own alcohol, um, Southern Comfort was definitely my go-to drink, right? <laughs> I love that shit. I would drink 100-proof SoCo. I would, like, <laughs> stupid Michael would be like, I'm going to drink half this 100-proof bottle tonight on my own. Let's see what happens. Death. <laughs> I, to be fair, in those days, I did drink a lot of SoCo, too, because it was just like, oh, yeah, SoCo. And- Drinking a mixed drink. It goes down so easy. It does. Like SoCo and vanilla Coke. That's my jam. As an old man now, it's just like, 
no, no, if I want whiskey flavor, I'm going to drink whiskey. I'm not going to drink a whiskey flavored liqueur. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, I outgrew that. I outgrew Mike's hard lemonade. All that. <laughs> God damn you, Mike's. The, um, my grandpa was a scotch drinker. So the very first alcohol I remember tasting as a kid was some of his watered down scotch and glass that he would always have. <laughs> so scotch is my, my, it's where my heart is. See, I never, I could never get myself to be a scotch drinker. Like there's just, I'm not into the super smoky and I know not mm-hmm. all scotches are, but like the majority of scotches, everyone's like, this is great. It's like, Oh, that is just drinking liquid fucking smoke. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Um, there's a scotch called Ashantashun, which we did a blind taste test against a bunch of different scotches. And we also threw in some like Louis the 13th, uh, just, you know, just for good measure. Just yeah, why, not? why not? Uh, put it up against Johnny Walker Blue and a bunch of other Balvinis and such. And it won. And it was, it was like a $60 bottle of scotch. Nothing crazy, but like, God, it's just, it's the scotch that you give to a non scotch drinker. It's just, it, it hit right. Slaps. I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'll try everything once. I mean, for fuck's sake. It's not, it's, it's like, it's not always around. Like, I can find it at Bevmo and like Scott's Seafood or something in Costa Mesa. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not driving all the way to Costa Mesa to try a scotch. No. 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 Eh. But uh, if it come, if I come across it, I'll try it. Yeah, I found, like, there's scotches that I am i don't particularly, like, palate-wise like, but I, like, taste them and go, like, no, I recognize this is a fucking fine liquor. It's just not my cup mm-hmm. of tea. Right, exactly. And I, I feel that's something that, like, you need to, it's important to differentiate that between this is bad and this is something I just don't like. Yeah, I, there's so much, so much of that in like the world in general where it's like, oh no, that sucks. It's like, does it suck or do you just not like it? Right. Because just because it's not your jam doesn't mean it sucks. Right. There we're, are trying some, the, we're trying the other side. Awesome. There are some things out there that do suck, that 100% exists, but you have to there's be able like to- most things. <laughs> most things. That, that's a very 2020 answer. <laughs> yeah. Spend a lot of time trying to find what you want. Turns out most things suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, or they yes. may not just may not be for you. So we're recording this like right after fucking Christmas. How'd you spend your yeah, Christmas was... besides getting a bottle of Kraken? Oh, well, I went up to Monterey and did a Christmas with my partner, Susie Q, and my dog, Callie, and we saw her parents. I just did a small, small thing, social distanced, happy as clams. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Nice. It went really well. This year was great. I mean, that, I honestly feel like for a lot of people in like our skew of the world, like the smaller social distance Christmases worked out better for everybody. Like you don't have to explain to your extended family what you're doing. You don't have to explain what you're doing. You don't have to like. You know, you didn't have to give excuses as to why I can be here and not there. She's like, look, I'm just, everything's COVID. I'm going to do whatever I want. Nobody's hassling anybody about what's actually, what they're doing, where they're going. It's like, oh, good. You guys haven't died yet. This is great. Yeah. It's awesome. You didn't die. I'll talk to you on zoom. You don't have to have like 
that awkward moment at dinner where just like, so, uh, what are you doing with yourselves these days? Like, <laughs> extended family yeah. member, this might not be appropriate to discuss with. Totally. I I definitely went to go see my parents on Thanksgiving and, you know, I was like, okay, I will come see you guys, but only if everybody tests. I go to work and everybody I'm around tests. I don't, I, I don't interact maskless without anybody untested. It's just not for me. And so I was like, Hey guys, go test. Like it's testing's all over. I can help you with resources. And it's like just a lot of, a lot of foot dragging around the process. And like finally they went and did it, which was nice. But this, and you know, Christmas came around and I had gone and tested and I was fine. But then the day before I was supposed to go see my family, I caught word that I was exposed to somebody that had caught COVID like three days earlier. Just like, <laughs> well, that changes plans. Yep. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come maybe kill grandma. <laughs> I'm going to hang out at home. Very responsible of you. Are you guys glad I test so regularly now? Right. Right. Uh, I hope you know, you've come back negative since. Yeah, I, it hasn't been a 14-day window, but it has been like I tested every single day after that n- without even knowing I was exposed. And then I tested like three more days after that, and I tested again today, so I feel pretty confident. Awesome. Awesome. I just started getting a sore throat, and I was like, no, this is not COVID. This is because I breathed in air-conditioned air all night. I know it. Oh, I... Dude, I had that freak out last, was it last week or two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Time just is hard to keep track of at this point. <laughs> I literally woke up eight days after I was on set with a sore throat. I'm like, no, no, fuck, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I'm probably real sick, like just normal sick, not not COVID. In the back of my head, I'm like, oh, fuck, I, fuck. I was just on set a week ago, fuck. And then yeah. uh, when I got tested, like a couple of days later, it came back negative. I'm like, and I'm not around anybody else. Like, I'm literally just at home. So it's just like, okay, I came back negative. I, I I'm should be good. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no symptoms past that, haven't died. But it was still like, uh... yeah. So there's no, uh, there's no AVN this year. I mean, there's an, there's an award show. There's a virtual like, award show. Every award show died. Yeah. If you can't if you can't be there in person, how many people actually care? Well, hell, I I per- no, me not, personally that's not true. I, I'm I, supposed to care. I, I have things right? nominated. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's just, you know, I just would much rather have a paycheck than an award. And, and like, both are cool. I'm definitely trying to get that award, but it doesn't taste as sweet when you can't be there to accept it in person. True, true. And it's not like it's back in the day where, like, you know, being an award winner gets slapped on a box cover and it's sold more units. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it'd be one thing of, like, oh, hey, Michael Vegas, maybe an award winner, like, more sales. I don't know why people don't just start slapping that on their scenes. Like, this is an avian award-winning scene online. Yeah, good point. Avian award-winning. Avian award nominee. Avian... <laughs> Get out of here. And I I missed the T-show, the Transerotic Awards. Those were like... Those things were rowdy. It was at the Avalon in Hollywood, as you know. Oh, yeah. And... 
it's just like like only four people are paying attention at any one point in time. It's maybe 200 people pay attention throughout the night. The rest is just adult performers getting together and being weird at the Avalon. Oh, yeah. that That's a good time. Or XRCO was always a drunken shit show. Oh, man, XRCO. Like, I didn't even... At least in the tease, I'm like, okay, there's I can look over here and there's an award show going on. XRCO is just someone standing on stage yelling at everybody in the audience to be quiet for two hours. I didn't know there was an award show. <laughs> right, like, I thought that's what XRCO was. It's getting trashed. Like, oh, what's something? Ah, whatever. See, like, ABN's actual it production. A, it was a funny event, though. Oh, yeah. Always, always. See, like, XBiz and ABN, like, are actual, like, production and award shows. It's just like, well, you got to kind of pay attention to this and... Yeah, they, you know, their music cues and their people moving around the stage. It's so, it's very well executed. And it, it definitely respect for what they managed to pull off. <laughs> if you don't have, man, they, they also like, they, they're not like, the award show isn't in the bar. <laughs> so, so you have a chance to get like at least another third of people past the totally drunk stage before you get them into the seat at XRCO. It's like, no, nah, there aren't seats. You stand up at the bar and accept your award. <laughs> like I'll have a shot of whiskey and thank you for the award. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I couldn't wait in line. I actually just won this award so I can get the microphone to get my drink order. Uh, make that a double, please. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is going to be a giant bummer. Uh, that's not happening this year. Like, I'm curious to see how the virtual award goes de- award show goes down, but it's definitely not going to be the same. One of the parts of human interaction that's magic and parts of human hearing is that we can distinguish so many sounds on top of each other at once without it being muddied, right? And <laughs> when you're trying to listen to a bunch of compressed audio over the internet and more than one person is saying anything, it is not a fine time. <laughs> so like, how do you do it? I'm painfully every- aware of that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you have to make everybody pay attention to what you want at that exact moment in time and hold their attention the whole time. It's like, well, you guys fail at that. I'm sorry. I bless you. It's not your fault. It's a near impossible task. And you're just not doing it. Like oh. you have to have great storytelling and like feature movie length quality to, to really hold someone's attention for that long. <laughs> I don't think that even in 2021, I don't think that even works. Like it might work if we were in a theater and there was like social norms that you have to maintain of not pulling out your phone. Mm-hmm. When people That's are going to be watching their, this award show on their couch where they could just pull out their phone consequence free. It's no one's going to pay attention to the whole fucking thing. Yeah, by the time I remember that I'm supposed to be watching an award show, it's like halfway through the award show, and then I show up and can't quite get my ticket thing dealt with, and so then I get in at like the last third of the award show, and when I'm there, I'm like, oh, this is cool, oh, look, wait, what award was this? Then they don't tell you for a long time, and then finally the next category comes up, and then a signal goes bad, and then you finally get back in the room, and then it's like the award show is almost over, and then it's like, oh, shit, I should have bought that thing on Amazon, then you close it and go to your Amazon Forget lost in Amazon, come back and the award show's over. It's really a great experience. It's going to be amazing. Can all, can all award shows go like that? <laughs> <laughs> what they got to do is to keep everyone's attention, like hold raffles, like 
if you watch from the beginning, you get a number and we'll randomly call your number to win a prize sometime during the award show. Oh, good luck, dude. That shit would, I don't even think that would work. <laughs> like, you know, these people are so used to getting like free stuff and, and random awards for people. It's like, why am I here? This is not making me money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You don't even get to put on a fancy dress, or are you going to dress up for it? I mean, you don't have to, but... Do they tell people if they've won beforehand so they can be, like, in their tux already? I don't know. Mm. I doubt they're going to, just because the amount of drama about people knowing beforehand. Because that would leak like a sieve. Everyone would talk about it. Yeah. I just... From what I heard, one of the award show things they were going to do is like send a send a camera crew or someone with the camera to each award show person's house and then like film them as the awards are going down so you can like cut to like, I don't fucking know, right? It seems possible without having to because they're not spending all the money they would normally spend on a venue and all that. Then but, maybe they would be able to pull that off, but also who cares? <laughs> but they're also not making the money from the expo that they normally would to pay for all this. Right. So, plus, you know, you go to knock on some random performer's house with a camera. If they're not expecting you, one, they might not even be there. Like, rea in reality, they're just watching it on Zoom at someone else's house or... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, two, they might think it's some crazy fan and just not answer the door. I can't hold still. I keep moving around. It's all good. <laughs> I just like half of my joy of setting up the lighting in my living room is moving around and testing out different lighting scenarios. Oh, I, I like this one. That's good. That was good. Yeah. Very, very much a Christmas card. <laughs> like you, just season screens in the bottom left hand corner. Boom. Yes. <laughs> now we're full Christmas. Oh, he's got a fur baby that does not want to be yes. here apparently. This cat loves it. This cat, you can actually touch with your feet. It will crawl under the covers, and you can kind of like rub, smash it with your feet, and it loves it. Nice. I've never met a cat that was so like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you do whatever. Cat's just like, I want affection, whatever it takes. Just give it this to me. This is an actual pet, an actual penthouse pet. It came from Kelly Holland's uh, <laughs> Animal Rescue. <laughs> So, what have you been doing with yourself the rest of 2020? Like, I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, I mean, things have, you know, like, I see everybody online because most of life is online right now. So, I feel like I'm, like, caught up in so many ways, but also totally in the dark in so many ways. So, for me, 2020 um, was going great. I had just, you know, got some deals going through with kink.com and adult time to uh, sell my content for distribution on their platforms. Um, so peg him's doing great over there. Uh, for those that don't know, peg is the ribs, the pegging website that I started up to show people that getting pegged isn't about being submissive. It's just about getting whatever the fuck you want and getting it in your butthole. Um, and so you know, that's, that was excellent. And I had been making this push prior to 2020 of really getting my own content going because 
finally just someone told me it's like you know what content's like real estate it's gonna go online and sit there and just make money and like the more views it has you you make a long video you could be the longest video that comes up when people search and so like sometimes you search by video length sometimes you search by video quality so so just making content that really hits these boxes and learning the business better has been the focus of my 2020 um you know content production picked up again um i don't know a few months ago and so i have you know, gotten back into the loop and just have been adjusting to testing protocols and keeping everybody safe, which has been nice. Um, like I said, I moved, I moved out here to San Games Valley and I love it. Things are, things are going how I, how I would have hoped other than the pandemic, which has been terrible. Um, and it's, it's been cool to see performers realize the power that they have finally, um, you know, like, why are we showing up doing this job for another company when people just want to give us money, not the company money? So, like, <laughs> cool. I've talked about this with a bunch of other performers on the show before, but it's one of those things where, like, 10 years ago, you couldn't have done it. it just the, the quality of the equipment just wasn't affordable for most people. Right, exactly. But now there's, if you were to get in today, I'm like, if you're not planning to be your own production house, don't do it. Yeah, I get asked so regularly, like, hey, like, how, how can I get into adult films? And, you know, previously, it the answer was find a girl that will have sex with you on camera um, and start that way. Make friends with people in the adult industry and start showing up face to face so you're not like people get used to you and see that you're around and like. You're not just like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he here trying to have sex with us? Like, get out of here. Right. Some fucking um, creep. Yeah. Some fucking creep. You know, you have to show you're, you're not a creep. It's like befriending, befriending people in school. You just have to know how to socialize enough to do it. But now it's like, if you weren't in already, I don't even know how to tell you to get in. You got to, first off, you have to convince a bunch of strangers that were already a tight knit closed group that you are a safe person. Not only, trustworthy in your regular life but also covid trustworthy and sti trustworthy and so it's like ah get ooh, good luck i you i don't really know what to tell you other than to just like it's always guys that ask me so it's like start putting your dick on the internet like show your face and your dick at the same time on the most popular pornography websites you can as much as you can <laughs> get like that's it. You like you think you're here to have sex with women. Yes, you are, eventually. But how do you get there now? You have to show that you're like really trying to do it, right? And so if you're if you're willing to sacrifice reputation and everything else because like you're here to make some porno and that's what you love, people will start to see you. People will start to see that. The, that's one of the ways like people used to get in is like go be a fucking mope at a bukkake. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, I'm willing to just do like the most you know degrading thing I could do as male talent, like jerk off with a circle of other dudes and mainly not even get paid for it. If you don't pop fast enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh man. God, God bless Jim Lane and the Bukaki <laughs> races. <laughs> well, that's some crazy part Um, but yeah, you know, these days it, it really just comes down to like, are you able to catch people's attention on the internet with your content? There are girls that come in and just like 
boom, they're popular all of a sudden. It's like, because they already started their social media following long ago. You're hitting me up and you have like 200 followers. I don't think you're just going to get more popular when you show people your dick all of a sudden. Yeah, you so, might get less popular depending on the dick. Yeah, generally, <laughs> generally, you're, if you're not, I start asking people, it's like, are you getting laid already on your own? Are you already having all the sex that you want? Are like, are you here just to get laid? That won't. Get, it's not going to get you laid here. Nope. The opposite of where you need to be. So, like, hopefully, you got a solid sex life and things are already going great for you, buddy. I would. We all want you here. We all want more talent. We all want better talent. As as a director and producer, I'm always looking for someone that is going to be good at this job, right? It's we could only shoot so many scenes with the same people. Yeah, and so like. We want you to succeed. We want you to do this. We hope you're not a creep. We hope you can have sex on camera, and we would love to give you a chance if you just take these steps to get there. Like, show us you really want it. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think what people don't understand is like it's a large financial gamble to hire a new person, and like that's really what it comes down to. It's like we're not we're not trying to keep you from anything. We just don't want to waste seven thousand dollars on you. Right. Look. Because with a woman, you can at least fake a lot of things. Exactly. A dude who fails, you can't fake that. No, there, and it, it just looks bad, and like it makes it makes bad porn. That lighting is terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just makes for bad porno, and you know, a lot. What a lot of people forget is like we're here to make a product. Um, we have got that's the number one goal. All of this stuff, yes. What makes a mainstream set that's like a good running mainstream set is the ability to get the film while you're having a good time doing it and build that authenticity. But even if the authenticity doesn't exist, you got to get that motherfucking movie in the can by the end of the day. Right. It, it's the pornography industry, not just, you know, pornography. It's a business. People forget that. Yeah. And now, now because people are able to do their own content at home, like you should all be succeeding more. You are in the most comfortable places you'll ever be <laughs> making content. <laughs> like, like you're not you're not going to make it if you can't do it in your own home. So. Right, especially if you're shooting with your regular partner. Like this is the person you, in theory, should know how to please and knows how to please you. Yeah, exactly, um, and. and you know, part of part of this new content production game is like how interesting can you make it? Like how pretty can you make your content? What's making your your stuff new unique? Is it something unique about you? Is it something unique about how you shoot your content? Like you, know, you got to be building a product that isn't just everybody else, right? And so there's this like business and artistic side of getting the content production going as well. Yeah. Um- Mind Geek already has McDonald's of porn covered. Yeah, exactly. So, like, where where are you going to fit in to make sure that you're not just being eaten up? You got to stand out and be, you know, be the David Lynch of porn, not. Yeah, totally. Um, ooh, ooh, another product. And, you know, one of the other cool things that came out of 2020 for me, um, it kind of came at the end of the year here, and is actually something that is starting in 2021. Is I had. Uh, one of my favorite companies, one of the people that I work for the most, both as talent and direction producing, um, was like, hey, 
we we just did this self shop project with you. It's like a quarantine uh, non sex role. We made like a twenty minute non sex film, and after we turned it in, they were just like, "Okay, we see what you're doing here. We see that you are trying to be a filmmaker and not just make some porno. So what we want to do is like." help cultivate your directing abilities and like tell you how we do it and like tell you why the scripts are the way they are and give you the access to these tools that we have to like help make you a better director. And it's like, fuck yes. <laughs> so I was so excited about that. It's like, man, that's, you know, I've been, I've been in front of the camera for a long time. It's like, I, I feel like I know how to do it. I know how to do this trick. I've done it so many times now. I, I know what the directors are looking for. I can do the trick in front of the camera really well because I understand what they're looking for behind the camera. And so now getting the that chance to step into that role is just very exciting. I, I had done a few successful projects on my own without this like guidance that they were giving me. Um, and I think that is what made them want to be like, okay, let's, uh, let's get this guy on board. We want him as part of the team. That's fucking awesome because – as you said, it's a business and they're investing time and money in you at this yeah, point. Exactly. Like, and that's a huge boost to your fucking, oh, that's so awesome to be like, yo, no, we believe in you enough to actually want to not just, you know, use your dick. We want to use your brain. Yeah. We're not going to just like say, here, make us a porno. We're going to tell you, hey, make us a porno that fits these requirements because that's what sells as this product. And we see that you are able to do that and like get these things from people and get them to act and, you know, really do it. So like, gosh, just <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, my mom hates that I am an adult film actor and director, but I, I told her the other day, I was like, mom, I got a corporate movie production house to agree to regularly give me money to make movies about pretty much whatever I want as often as I can, how can you, like, how can you have any negative thoughts about that? Right. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, I, you know, I have definitely had some uh, pretty cool orgasms in my day, but nothing is as satisfying as when your mom's therapist validates you in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh-huh. How'd your uh-huh. mom respond so, like, to that? incredulous <laughs> literally couldn't even come up with words to say i don't have words to, to respond to this it was just like a, I, 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 <laughs> but uh, i pay you you're supposed yeah. to take my side <laughs> yeah the, pretty pretty much and the you know previously in this in this uh misunderstanding is what i'll call it my mom and i had i was like you know, we couldn't we couldn't get this therapist to work out. I have suggestions. Like, I'll help you out. I I'd love to go to therapy and, and talk it out. And she's like, No, I'll I'll find I'll find someone. It's like, okay, you know. And it's always it's always risky to go see someone else's therapist because maybe they'll just try to invalidate you, invalidate this person. You have like, like no idea what's going on with them, right? And, and she just like, man, I don't think she was so happy about that news after that day. But it fucking worked. That's fucking amazing. That that is so good. Yeah, so good. So validating. It's like, Mom, I've been trying to get you to be proud of me for like eleven years now. And you're just hanging on to 
something to prevent me from being an adult and successful in your head. Like you don't want to be happy for all the success. I'm going to show you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, she'll come to grips. Games. hopefully she'll fully come to grips with it. Hopefully. She's trying. She's really trying. My whole family is so like, they'll, they'll fight mean. And so she's not used to being able to like talk things through without being destroyed. Like, nah, man. Like, we can all have our own opinions. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be mean to you when we fight. But why we're here now is because you're being mean to me when we fight. I'm like, I'll just stop showing up to the fight. <laughs> I don't need this. Right. Mm. You're, you're not a child. You're not financially dependent on her. You don't have to put up with this shit. Yeah, that was exactly what it came down to. It's like, you know, one of the, <laughs> like, you're in my therapy session with me now. One of the <laughs> things that, that I found out that was nice to see a different viewpoint from. It's like when I, I had a near death experience in a motorcycle accident and you know, it, it was always my trauma. And so I was refu- not refusing, but like I wasn't ever able to see like, wow, that must've really scared you guys really bad. And so there's this fear of always losing your son. That's just like crept into every area after that. Like, Oh, I know when I have traumatic responses to things, they're not usually very pretty. <laughs> It's so like what you've been doing is likely a traumatic response. Oh no. I love you guys anyway. It's so good. So, it's like, been going great. That's fucking awesome. It's like, yeah. Oh, that's one thing that 2020 show taught fucking everybody's like, everyone needs a little therapy. Everyone. We, we've all got some, uh, got to do some hard time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been, <laughs> she's been traumatic for fucking everybody. Even if it wasn't traumatic this year, it's pretty fucking hard to make it through life with zero fucking trauma. You probably, probably need to talk to somebody. Probably. Yeah. And you know, the stigma around mental health has been changed so significantly. It's, it's normal to need you know, now just because you need to talk to somebody. doesn't mean you're weak. We're, we're all finally realizing that it's like, I mean, I say we're all, I hope we're all finally realizing like you can't be someone else's therapist. Your friends and your family have got to go to therapy. Also, like it's not it's not fair or right of them to try to use your time and energy that way. Because like you're not a fucking professional. Well, and if you are a professional, you can't do it. You you can't uh, morally or was ethically do it for your friends and family. It's like you have to find outsiders. Well, and the thing about it is, even if you are attempting to you know be a support system for your friends and family you should definitely still try to support your friends and family but you have to acknowledge that like you know your opinion's biased no matter what like if you as my friend come up to me and be like oh my girlfriend is treating me like shit i can't look at that objectively and be like well she might be going through something like no no fuck her man fuck that bitch you know i'm gonna have my my friend's side yeah for me it's not even you know, it's not when it's like, oh man, I've I've just had a hard day. You want to talk about it? It's like, of course, of course, I want to talk about it with my friends. <laughs> when you have a repeat problem that you ruminate on and that you can't get past, it's like, okay, I am not, I'm not an outside party to this, and I've seen you go through this cycle a bunch of times. Like, outside opinion time. Yeah, one hundred percent. I a great example that like came to me years later was I was going through a messy breakup and. I went to one of my best friends for advice. And at the time, his advice made sense. In retrospect, I'm like, 
oh, he had just gone through a messy breakup a couple months earlier and was 100% projecting his own fucking issues on me. And I followed mm-hmm. his advice because it just made sense at the time. Like, ah, no. Yeah. And, but, you know, that's why you need a fucking professional to be like, no, dummy. <laughs> you, need, you need to think about this a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, man, God bless professional mental health care workers. What a time. I know. It's the human brain and what it does to itself is incredible. <laughs> it does. It, it is. And it's just crazy to think of like our grandparents' generation were like went off to fucking war and lived through a depression and like, nah, you can't talk to anybody about this shit. Talking is weakness, don't you know? Right. You know, and like it's uh one of the things that I've been trying to get my mom to understand is my psychedelic use, right? Like I had done some psychedelics before and like, it was like, cool. I did a couple mushroom trips, whatever. Um, and finally, after I had like this, this, uh, near death experience and like, I came back and I started living my life differently and I started doing more psychedelics and like, it, they literally healed me and like helped me get over depression and all sorts of traumas. And I was like, mom, this stuff, like you got to check it out, dude. Like you will, even if you don't talk to anybody else, you'll finally talk to yourself and you might listen. Don't they help? For fuck's sake, they are doing psilocybin trials at John Hopkins for PTSD. That's what I literally sent her that thing. And they found out that a psilocybin induced God experience is no different than a spontaneous God experience. Right. And so people that have these visions, it's like, what do you think these fucking tribes have been doing all along and like getting regular people to understand, you know, this medicine wasn't exclusive to just the people like to the higher ups. It was like, here you, you do this. And like, this is how you become a human being and understand things. Well, there's the whole stoned ape theory, which is like, we became humans because of psilocybin. I believe it. Yeah. I, as more and more as I play with it, you know, I'm, it makes more sense than like being designed by some fucking, you know, other being. It's such an incredible substance. I, as I said earlier, I, I spin fire and I, I do all these things. And I had from that near death experience, I had a traumatic injury in my shoulder. And when I finally went back and started like spinning glow sticks and doing stuff like that, I did it on mushrooms. And I was just like, Oh shit. Like I am so much more like my left side doesn't feel like trauma right? It feels like my left side again. I can think about it without having to also mentally retreat from how much it was hurting me previously. So it's like I can fully go into that part of my body again without fear. And I was able to like relearn movements and like heal myself and like be able to wiggle around again. It's like, oh shit, like this is, this stuff's incredible. It's incredible that I'm able to like revisit traumas without like fully breaking down. If you don't mind me asking, how long ago was the motorcycle accident? Ooh, I think it was 2006, right? No, 2000. Yeah, it was in 2006 because I got married the first time in 2007. So it's been a while. And it it wasn't until 2012 that I finally started having flashbacks to like, like remembering about the incident a little bit. And then right in 2012, was that when you started getting heavier into the psychedelics? It wasn't even psychedelics that did it. Like I had started, I had been smoking weed. Like I had done so many times before that. 
and and I was watching the Nitro Circus movie. I don't know if you remember that, uh, but Travis Pastrana and his crazy friends. There's yeah. this one stunt where they go to jump a car a long distance and do a full barrel roll. And it's like they're jumping like 23 cars in this other car. And I was like, looking crazy. And they talk about it beforehand. They like the worst thing that can happen is if the car lands on its roof because it's like the weakest part of the bar and like how you die. Yeah. So they do it, and it's just like, oh, oh, great. It, it went the worst way possible, didn't it? And as the car was like upside down in the air, I saw what was coming, and my body involuntarily just went, like, crumpled like this. And then I started crying. I was like, what the fuck is happening to me? Like, this is, uh, I just remember, like, I remembered, like, you know, the way that they would have landed was the same way that I broke my neck, which was like, I long darted and like hit my head like this. <laughs> um, and so like, it just brought back this experience of like, Oh shit, that's what happened to me. Like I, I bent my head this way and I, I reached forward too far and like fucked his shoulder up and like, <laughs> just, like, tried to, like Superman lawn dart off the front of a motorcycle. I still don't know what happened. Um, still can't come up with like how it ended up happening, but for the best I can tell, I just slapped the ground real hard. Um, and yeah. And, and so like, that was the first thing I remembered. And, but what really was a profound experience was that I, I just, I, the crying wasn't, it wasn't sadness. It wasn't fear. It wasn't joy. It was like every emotion I had ever experienced all at one. It was just like, and it was like pure gratitude for everything good and bad I've ever experienced. I was so thankful to, to be alive <laughs> and like, great. Uh, nothing is a problem ever again, because like, even when shit sucks, like, dude, I'm alive. And that's cool. Um, and so it's just like this profound change that happened. And like, what really was the amazing part about that is I had, I was only able to lift this arm up to here I couldn't get it back behind me anymore. Like my shoulder was stuck here. Um, and after I, after I just cried, like I could move my arm again. It's like, holy shit. You mean I just had to cry and I would have mobility again? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and so I, I, I went further on this journey and you know, finally getting back to, uh, like talking with my therapist now, cause I, I went through a number of other incidences where it just got to the point where it was like, I was having traumatic responses to sirens where I was like, I would start crying and I, I couldn't see when I was driving my car. If like an ambulance was going by, I'm just like, Oh God, I can't see. I can't even pull over. Uh, um, uh, and so finally I went and I talked to the therapist and she gave me this book called the body keeps the score. And it, it talks about how trauma lives in your body and like in the myofascia of your body and in your muscles. And it's just like this deep memory that is unconscious to you that the body hangs on to. And so many traumas and like pains that we have don't exist. It's just like fear memories that we hold on to within our, our, our life essence. <laughs> so like, um, God, I don't even remember where I was going with this. It's always such a fun, exciting journey to look back on. I, you know, when I end up talking about this, it's like I have new profound realizations each time about like, oh yeah, that seems to be what was going on. Like, cool. Well, it's absolutely, it's so interesting that the fact that like 
we think that we're so fucking advanced as humans at this point, and we still don't know shit. Like, it seems like every fucking day we're just learning more shit as, like, a society, as a species. Like, no one had said to me in the 90s, like, oh, yeah, your body physically holds on to trauma. Like, no one, if people knew, they weren't discussing it. Right? Like, Michael, <laughs> you should do rehab on that muscle. And you should rub that muscle, even though it hurts, because it's actually like <clears throat> that fear is going to get locked into that that joint in your body, and you're going to compensate and ruin other things because you were too afraid to like feel the emotional pain that comes along with the physical pain that lives within your body. <laughs> it's like God, if somebody could have told me that, it would have helped me prepare for like emotional trauma and so many other things that I could just be like, no, we'll be okay, we'll get through this, Michael. <laughs> I wish we'd be alive to see it. When- society be like in a hundred fucking years assuming we haven't glassed ourselves and like living in a mad max wasteland by then but because that could happen too yeah yeah we're going for it it seems, <laughs> it seems to be a yeah, hundred years time is either going to be utopia or dystopia no no in between no no need for in between it, it, it's a very hunger games type situation where there's like utopia and then dystopia man i, I keep joking about this year is like this is not the dystopia i signed up for Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of other representations of dystopia. This is like, this is like the negging of dystopias. It's the negging of future concepts, right? Like, you don't know why it hurts so much and why you feel shitty at the end, but it keeps happening. (laughs) You're just like, oh, God, that was a compliment, but I feel like shit. Fuck you, 2020. (laughs) So true. So true. Oh. Oh, man. How often are you using psychedelics right now? Like much less often than I was. Uh, I, you know, around 2012, I was still, I was early on in my journey and I was like ready to push myself and see where it's like, let's break my mind. Cause I already feel broken. And so I would go out to like nightclubs and do a ton of psychedelics, and, like eat a bunch of mushrooms and, um, you know, I, I ate a half ounce of mushrooms and went to EDC one time and had an ego death experience while I was at EDC. Like, ah, it, was, it was crazy. Like, I mean, tell me about it, like, like, if you can. I mean, I'm. Yeah, totally. Um, it, so, well, like, first I started eating mushrooms again. And that was great because I had learned that, you know, back up, back up, back up. <laughs> um, I did some LSD, hung out with Misha Brooks, and. It, it it made me realize that I had been lied to about what substances are and what they do. Like, it's like, okay, there are things I know about certain drugs. And like, this one was just purely all of my knowledge was fear based. So like, I'm going to do it again and like, look into it and really research things because like now the internet exists instead of just my fears. Right. So I could go consult oh. things. And I, I found a group of people that, that, um, so like I know this girl named Tea Fairy who got that name because she served tea the longest in a psychedelic tea house. She stayed awake for like 16 hours doing LSD, serving tea flawlessly, and ended up becoming friends with this man who was named Alexander Shulgin, who the government had given access in like the, the license to experiment with psychedelic medicines, right? Like he was the psychedelic G. And she was close to him. And like I got knowledge from you know, like firsthand use knowledge instead of secondhand fear experience of people that have done like a lot of the drug. Cause there was always this fear of like, if I do this, I'm going to end up 
like fucked up. Well, I mean, we're we're roughly the same age. What was it like? The old urban legend that if you do seven hits of acid, you're legally insane. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Just all the fear-based stuff. Yeah, all that fear-based shit. I mean, I definitely fucked around with acid in high school and had a good time with it. But like, there was always that in the back of your head, like, oh, if I take the wrong fucking tab here, this could fuck me for life. Uh huh. Exactly. It, there's this, you know, like I I did acid to a point one time where I was like, I feel like I was sitting on the edge of a cliff, and I was like, you know. I can see why people would lose touch with reality. Like, you know, you really, you really go on a good one and you're not a, a grounded person. You don't have like a, a, a way to get back to your reality and they keep your mind straight. Like you might break it, but that's LSD, right? Mushrooms is a different, is a different deal. Like you can do pretty much as many as you can eat before you feel like sick and start throwing up and like, the 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 chemicals of of the plant, like the composition of the fruiting body of the plant, and the the psychedelics that exist within it are will they won't poison you. You can't die from them, right? And when I learned that knowledge, I was like, oh shit. Okay, so you're saying that no matter how fucking weird things get, one time I'll go to sleep and I'll wake up and then I'll be fine the next day. I can deal with that. And you won't even have an ugly fucking alcohol hangover. Yeah. Um, and so like, I started doing a little more and a little more mushrooms. And and then I um, um, finally got braver and braver. And like I was going out to uh, like weird goth pansexual drag nightclub dance parties, shooting photos for the Belay Brothers that have an incredible show called Dragula on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. Um, and... And just, you know, finally finding like my people, like my, I, I was becoming more okay with being in strange spaces because I was open to having such strange experiences with, um, with these people. And like, it made me so much more open and accepting of other people. And like, and ultimately that led to a greater acceptance of queer culture and like a, a accepting mindset of like this thing that ultimately I loved and looked at and was just like, yeah, like I have to hate it because I actually like it so much. Thanks, dad. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, and so it's, it, I just broke through those barriers. Um, and then when I started going out to music festivals and dancing and like starting to do flow in public with like glow props and fire props, um, and I had gotten much more experienced with psychedelics, I was like, I'm going to go to EDC and I'm going to go big because I know that I know that I'll, I'm going to have a good time. I've done up to this many before. And then so <laughs> on the way, like I ate like the half ounce before we got there because I thought it was real close and you get there like pretty quickly. Callie, please stop chomping at me. My dog is chomping at me. Right here. <laughs> uh, anyway, went to EDC and and just started going into like a really, really hard, strong, uh, I, like I would call it a bad trip, but I also don't think I've ever had a bad trip. Um. And so I, I, I got out of that and went through this experience of like realizing who I was and what I was supposed to be doing in life and like asking myself, what have I, like, what have you done with yourself? Where are you? Like, like, are you okay with it? Are you happy here? Like it truly speaking to myself in a way that's like, wow, I'm really talking to myself. 
Like I'm really asking myself questions that were too scary to ask before. And, and it's just like, Oh, I do like myself. This is cool. Like I'm really, I'm happy here. And, and I'm, I'm happy to keep going forward on this path. And so I just like started looking back on all of the traumas that I had gotten over because of the use of psychedelics and MDMA. And you know, now I'm, now I'm a big advocate for them. They can definitely be abused just like any substance can. Well, yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but like, you know, try abusing mushrooms you you won't feel so good and you'll have a bad time eventually and you won't <laughs> want to do it again well i hope to never get to the abusing mushrooms stage i i mean i do them i mean I, it's become actually 2020 has become i've definitely up my mushroom usage more than any other year this year thank goodness everybody should have i mean that's actually how i spent christmas i uh took two and a half grams in a chocolate bar and watched uh Gasper knows enter the void. See, that's a good time. I didn't know shit about the movie coming into it. Like, have you seen it? Yeah. Like that intro. Yeah. I'm like, this might have been a bad plan of mushrooms. This may have been a bad <laughs> plan. <laughs> and then I, yeah, man, I'm super I've, engaged. I've definitely, I've been with friends that have had major freakouts on psychedelics, and it's been like uh, it turned into the most dangerous game. He thought, long story made short, he thought that I was someone sent that was after him. And I ended up chasing my friend 12 miles through Santa Monica in the middle of the night without proper cell phone or any way to contact anybody while he was like trying to get in people's car and like probably going to end up in jail. <laughs> it's like just because like he just had a, a major disconnection with reality and like. He told me the next day, he's like, yeah, man, you said everything's so calming and like so right that my brain made me think that that, that was too perfect. So it's just like, it's like, it's like, all right. You know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta have a trip advisor <laughs> with you. Somebody willing to run 12 miles after your ass in the middle of the night. It's like, do psychedelics wisely and with people that are there to, there with your best interest. Don't do it with people that'll yell at you or try to freak you out or like, isn't this fucking weird? Or like people that aren't doing. I run through the forest. You run through, you run through the forest. You run through the forest. That bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just like you know, I don't hang out with that type of people in my real life anyway. I only hang out with fucking chill people. And if I can't look at them and say, "Hey, please stop that," and they aren't the type of person that's willing to stop because they respect me as a human being, like I wouldn't have them in my fucking personal space anyway. I'm definitely not going to have them there while they're tripping. And also, like people have. People have like weird love experiences and like get really strong connected bonds because it's such a profound experience. So like be willing to do it with somebody that you're willing to spend your time with if they have a bad trip or a good trip that is like profound for the rest of their life. You know, you want to be a positive memory for these people, not not something horrid. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. Like, and I feel like that's why maybe psychedelics need to be. You shouldn't be. I want. I mean, I don't. I'm, I don't regret doing them as a teenager, you know, being an immature shit. Definitely didn't have a good Sherpa for it at the time. Like, right? Thankfully, nothing ever went really sideways for me. But I was definitely, you know, as a stupid kid, hanging out with people who would fuck with you. Like, you know, it was just part of the, you know, the experience at the time. 
And as a kid, you know, didn't say anything wrong with it. As an adult doing it, it's like, man, we were fucking dumb. Yeah. And so having, you know, having real first word world knowledge that could help me not go into it with such fear. I ended up participating in these substances that like profoundly changed my life and like helped me heal from things that I could have never non-fearfully gotten near. Um, and then later on doing therapy more, I did something called EMDR, which was like eye movement desensitization, rapidization or something like that. I'd, and it is a tra- trauma therapy that is even like even the VA has signed off on it and like now this works um, and it helps you revisit traumatic traumatic points in your memories and like regain control of them and like help help heal your, your inner self and such um, and just like the ability to like have your mind freely move around um, just like you just kind of unlock a bunch of a bunch of pathways and like or like unblock dams of thought flow in your mind when you do psychedelics more than anything. That's fucking amazing. When uh when did you do that? Uh do which part? The EMDR? Yeah. That was in two thousand and sixteen. Um that was when I started when I started having those flashbacks that were just too much for me to even handle and I'd start crying. Um so I was like, man, I gotta I got to talk to somebody who's got a good therapist. And um, one of my friends told me, and I was just like, okay, I'll go check this lady out. You know, I'm uh, trying to be an A student. So I read the books and did the, did the work fast because I'm, I was already on a path to healing to the point where like, I could, I could think about my traumatic experience. Like I wanted to know what happened and I was totally open to it. And like, I know it really hurt. And like my, like, yeah, like I can talk about it and go through it emotionally and speak of it and be fine. But the fact that there was still this trigger in me and like I didn't feel sad. There was no fear that was I was actively experiencing. I could tell myself I was okay and it's fine, but like I'm still crying. So there's like a ghost that lives in my head that I can't even see. I don't even know it's in there. Like I have to how do you get to that? Yeah. Right? I don't even know what it is. I can't even like I can't even tell you. <laughs> Please help me tell you. And so it's sort of like a lucid state type of activity where you're able to like kind of walk the path forward and backward and, and bring guardians and wisdom with you as you do it. (laughs) It's fucking cool. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I I suggest it to everybody. You know, we've all been traumatized in ways that we're so afraid to share because even thinking that that even showing that weakness is, uh, accepting death again in a way. And so like, like, ah, it's cool. I did a fire walk before I went and started. No, that's not true. I did a fire walk in the middle of doing that type of therapy. And it's just like, yeah, now you can do it. Mind over matter. Just walk hot coals. Like, yeah, hot, hot coals. Um, that was, that was really cool. That, that wasn't part of the therapy. That was just part, you know, part of my life experience that was going on simultaneous to this. Hey. Nothing yeah, it all works. yeah, it all works. I mean, being able to prove to yourself that like you're bigger than some of your fears is fucking important. And like walking on things that are going, you know, in your mind are going to burn you is just some, something that is completely mind over matter. I'm assuming like I have not done it, but like skydiving was like that for me. Like the first time I went skydiving, like fucking terrified, but it was just like, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do it. And I did it. <laughs> and I had a great time because it was, it was, 
the terror was all in my fucking head. Yeah, concrete fears. The the big thing. I'm curious. Do you feel like we're getting much deeper than the show normally gets? So, do you feel this is a this experience like life is all we have? Do you believe that there's something after this? Absolutely. I didn't before I started having flashbacks. But one time when I lay, I was laying in a position comfortable on the floor after doing a mushroom. No, kind of like kind of at the end of a mushroom trip. I was just looking for comfort in my body because I hold tension from those traumatic injuries. Um, and I finally laid in a position. And when I got there, I was doing this lucid uh, exercise where you picture yourself as every object in the room and then like – Picture what looking at the room would look like if you were the the leg of the table and if you were the pillow cushion and if you were the smoke detector. And so like you really start building a 3D environment in your head with your eyes closed and it helps you pull yourself out of your body and start like seeing yourself from like a mental image. And then it's just kind of like, oh shit, I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And you like, you try to not think about it too much because if you do, then it stops working, right? Um, uh and I, I, at one point in time, I was just like, man, if I go any, if I get any more relaxed, I'm going to be dead. <laughs> and I was just like, like I could, I can, I can feel myself depressing my breathing. I can feel myself like slowing my thoughts. And it's like, oh shit, I remember this feeling. Oh wow, I'm laying in the exact same position that I found my that they found me in when I was found in the desert from the motorcycle accident. Just like, ah, oh, it's like the same same sort of gateway here. And it's like, ah, oh, that's nice. This is really nice. And my friends were sort of discussing around the room one of our friends that died from doing ketamine because, you know, he ended up rolling over and suffocating because somebody wasn't there as his guardian. And like he, he should have totally been alive today. And I, I had this thought to myself of like, I wish somebody would remind us to breathe or would have reminded us to breathe. Because I was I was laying in the desert, face down, not breathing. So I was time to die. And uh, then I, I had that thought. I was just like, "Holy shit!" I referred to me as us. I've no, I never do that. I'm not like a split person. I've, I've always been me here in charge of this body. It's like, wow. Who is who am I talking to? Who am I addressing right now? Because like. I'm dead, baby. <laughs> but I'm very, like, I'm still this consciousness that is as alert and awake. Like, I knew, I, I was, when I was in my body, I was aware that my body was hurt and I was there not breathing. And it's that same awareness outside of my body where I was just like, oh shit. Wow. I, and like, as, as stepping back that far, like, I can just feel a connectedness to an everything in a way that is indescribable other than the universe wants you to thrive. Like whatever energy web connects all of this, that's making everything vibrate, like whatever that is, that wants you to live and like wants you to be happy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know, man, never like no way. You could have never gotten me to believe that before, before I had my dad's an atheist and you know, my mom was just sort of silent on religion, so I, I had much atheism instilled in me until like, I had this experience. It's just like, oh, there's something more. 
yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And, and so like I, I'd had all these, I'd had from like not doing psychedelics and then doing my psychedelic journey. I've had like different memories and flashbacks to this one experience over time. And it's like the best way I describe it to people is it's like some things are memories and some things are dreams. And you can usually distinguish between the two, right? So like I am having a memory about it, not a vision about it. That's fucking wild, man. <laughs> yeah. Totally wild. I am. I don't want to have to go through what you went through to get there. I'm fucking Two psychedelics. It's a much easier road. I mean, I, I do. Don't worry. I do. I mean, that that's also my new year's Eve plan. Like that Christmas is psychedelics. New year's Eve is going to be psychedelics. So have you ever thought about going down to like South America and doing ayahuasca or. Yeah, but I'm afraid of it's like a tourist trade down there now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just, it hasn't called me in that way not yet i'll do it one day yeah because of the tourist trade and just like there are scam artists because of the tourist trade like i had a little desire to go down there and do ayahuasca but i really kind of want to do dmt yeah yeah it's around i'll I'll let you know on the internet When I see you in person, I'll let you know. Uh, uh, cool. Sometime in 2022, that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, we, can, we can meet six feet apart, but I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let us not discuss just crimes on the internet at the moment. But yeah, the, yeah. That, uh, that that always seemed real interesting, the, dis- the discussion of it and the, like, the intense, supposed to be geometry visions. And it sounded real interesting. Matt. Yeah. I think my brain's empty. <laughs> <laughs> No, your brain is not empty. It feels nice to get that out occasionally. It's usually on podcasts. It always comes back to this. Why is that? I don't know. I guess because it is what propels my philosophy on life. And I love sharing that with people because, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out. Hey, I would much rather talk about this than, like, you know, what your favorite position is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the... I hope my audience appreciates this too, because you know you have a rather unique perspective on this shit. It's it's been a fun ride. Yeah, not where I thought I was going to end up. Not where not the target I was aiming for. But I don't. I think, wouldn't trade it for anything. I don't think any of us got where we were. Like none of us in like you know third grade was like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" This was not the answer for any of us. Right in third grade, what was your answer actually? Oh, I wanted to be a stuntman for a really long time up to like, I'd say up until like I started really thinking about getting a job. Right. And it's like, like stuntman doesn't make shit for money and they get hurt a lot. And like, nobody's really covering them and it's a union. You got to get in. It's just like an impossible, possible task. That's definitely got to be a passion because the risk versus reward there is just not, not there in most cases. Yeah. No, I, I, I was a very, I felt reasonable kid. Just didn't like, <laughs> didn't want to take the hard path for sure. Not at that point in my life. I mean, I don't think most kids are like, I want to take the hard path. I don't think most kids are like, I want to be a CPA when I grow up. Crunching other people's numbers doesn't sound like a fun job. It doesn't sound like a fun job to no. me as an adult. Not a good time for me. Not me either. But I mean, I was like, I want to, I want to make video games. And boy, 
I'm glad I didn't actually pursue that because those people have some fucking hellish lives sometimes. These poor video game designers are getting trolled by the people that they made the content for because it isn't perfect. And then having to put in insane hours to make deadlines, like... Yeah, no, slave factories exist everywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. I mean, it, we're probably in one of the easiest times in human existence, but it's still not like it's smooth, completely smooth sailing in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to worry about, like, someone kicking in my door and, you know, taking a broadsword to me, but there are other stressors and traumas. You don't hang out with many barbarians. I'm thinking Conan the Barbarian specifically. (laughs) (laughs) You want to hear the lamentation of their women? How's that cocktail, Mr. Vegas? Empty my G. You got to make another? I got to get through these cherries first. (laughs) (laughs) The glorious, you can't let those glorious cherries go to waste. No. More classy when you drink them out of a pickle jar, too. It is. It is very, very fucking classy. I'm all for it. Absolutely all for it. So what are you looking forward to in 2021, my man? Directing more movies, creating more content, making more money, helping other people make more money, spreading the knowledge of how to make content to others so they can live a a similar life that is where you have so much more freedom to do what you want because there's the source of income that exists for you to express yourself and make money for it any uh particular projects that are, you know you have planned just working on some cool stuff for adult time that's all i can say right now Ooh, secret squirrel yeah hell yeah hell yeah yeah very excited about that any trips or anything you want to do once we're able to travel again well uh you know i, I go to the desert regularly so it's kind of desert season coming up so I'm always looking to looking to go out into the desert. It's a good place for psychedelics. So how do you do a desert trip? Like, is it a couple day affair, or are you just out there for a couple hours? <clears throat> Fun part about California is there's a lot of desert around us. And that's within two hours drive, so I can go out do a desert photo shoot, get the desert that I want, sleep comfortably in my home that same day. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I, get I, in get in and out on the way home from a photo shoot. Nice, live the dream. Nice. I didn't know if you wanted to like just rough it for a couple of days and sometimes, you know, event camping, but I'm going to stay inside for now and then I'll appreciate the outside more later. Nice. Have you done Burning Man in previous years? Mm-hmm. I did it for five years. It was great. Um, one of the times that I did it, I shattered my heel. This was in 2014. <clears throat> And I, I'm, I'm allergic to opiates. Oof. Like you can, you can give me morphine cause it just knocks me out. But like it makes me feel sick. Drugs make me feel awful. I, like I can't do Viking. I can't do opiate painkillers. Anyhow, I, I jumped off a golf cart and broke my, I shattered my heel. It like exploded it while I was out there. Um, and had an x-ray done while I was out there and and caught medical attention and realized that even if I went home, I would just be sitting there with my leg up and nobody's around to help take care of me. All the people I know are out here and like, I can't, I can't take drugs while I'm at home. Like I can take, I can take 
some drugs, but like, you know, what's working great. These like 500 weed cookies that somebody gave me. So I just sat, I didn't sit around at Burning Man. I moved around out there in a pain induced haze and just like mind over matter plus weed cookie painkiller past a shattered left heel. And it ended up becoming a uh, sort of spiritual experience because it was like, God damn, that's the most painful thing I've ever done and stayed awake for. Um, and, and just like, geez, what a, what a fun, odd trip. Never thought I would experience Burning Man that way, <laughs> but I sure did. Oh. Wow. That, I mean, Good on you for doing it. Good on you. I don't, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I mean, so if I left, right, it would take me, I would say, 12 hours to leave the event via ambulance to get to an ER, where it would have probably taken me four more hours to get into an x-ray, where it would have likely taken me I don't know, eight hours to be put in a bed from the ER to, to, you know, not ICU. I wasn't in that condition, but to like a hospital bed where they would take care of me before they discharge me. And then I would, I would have to figure out how to get home because my vehicle was at Burning Man still. Um, Cause like nobody there was going to drive me. Everybody's been drinking. Like, but, um, you know, cops are looking for people. I'm not going to do that. So, like, the expense of all, doing all of that plus the hospital expense. Uh, and then figuring out how to get from Reno to to Santa Monica on my own without assistance of other people. They're like, I'm not going to ask you to leave a $500 ticket event when, like, I'm not out of my mind. I can get there. I don't need someone to hold my hand. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I appreciate any one of you would have done it if I asked you, but like, nope, won't do it. And so, and so I was just like, you know what? I'm already like, I'm already okay enough right now. Like my foot's up. I'm here with like all, if, if I go to an ER, what they will tell me is we can't put a cast on it because it's too swollen. You need to elevate it. And let the swelling come down before we can do put a cast on it. Like, bitch, I can sit around Burning Man with my foot up. I have a doctor at the camp that can give me pretty much any type of drug I need if I really am in bad shape. Um, he's there. He's an anesthesiologist, and he can manage my pain just fine. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. well, that's an important part that I didn't know was happening. That you had you know, someone professional there with you. Oh yeah. No, well, like the med tent is was full of doctors. I got great medical care while I was at Burning Man free, totally free. Um, they gave a guy got a high tech x-ray, um, that was like ultimately this weird ultrasound thing that 3d scanned my heel and like told me it was shattered. So like, I knew what happened. I, I was aware of what I was doing and I knew how like I've injured myself so many times and I, I've, I had been a nurse by this point in my life. And so like, I knew how to take care of people and like what they're going to do for me in the hospital. And like, I could definitely do that for myself here with the assistance of, of these highly competent people. I'm just in the desert and it's like, I'm in a city. It's burning man. There's yeah. anything I need. Um, so if there's really an emergency, like I'm just doing, I'm doing this at home. 
essentially, but my home was in the desert for a while. Um, so <laughs> weird experience. It's great. Definitely. I rode a bike, one footed with crutches, the handlebar, trying to get from uh, one side to the other to go see Zed's dad play. Worth it. Nice. Nice. What are your feelings on how Burning Man has evolved and changed over the years? Uh, at some point in time, it got got much louder, and then it got quieter, which is nice. It got it, like it was so bad because everybody was allowed to be so loud that you couldn't be far enough away from one camp to not have muddied music in another camp. So it was like it was like asynchronous metronomes all the time. And for someone that works off of music and, and beat and tempo so regularly for timing in my life, like <laughs> fuck me up. It really like like hurt me in the soul. Um, so that, that got fixed the year after. And I had, you know, like an adult complained, <laughs> wrote a letter. Like, hey guys, this you burning time. man. You asked to speak to the manager. I, I did. Like, I don't know if it was my words doing it, but like, or it just incidentally happened, but like, <sighs> that was too much. Well, I, I can definitely understand like it negatively affecting people's time. Yeah, everybody else didn't seem to care, but like, man, I care. Well, I'm sure they. I'm sure they care. They probably just were like, "This is part of the experience. You just live with it." Yeah, bad time. (laughs) I mean, I've never been, but from what I've been led to believe, that it's gotten much more commercial, and like, the spirit of sharing isn't quite what it used to be. It's definitely become a more well-known destination that you know, partiers flock to. It's like, what well, was the full moon beach party in Thailand before Westerners started going to it? Different, but still a fun, cool event. Um, I was just talking with Susie Q saying, I'm interested to see how it returns because it will actually be an all new event this time. Like who knows how it's going to unfold. Like, it'll be back in one form or another, but we'll find out how, right? Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see once we're able to get it back out into the world again, just how much little things have changed. Like how many of your favorite little restaurants or venues are going to be fucking gone, especially yeah. if ones that aren't in cities you live in. Like Tokyo is one of my fucking happy places. I love that fucking city. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to somebody about it the other day and I was just like, Oh, if you ever make it back there, you got to check out this bar in Shinjuku. And I'm like, I don't even actually know if that bar is still going to exist by the time we can make it back. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm just hoping to get back to Tokyo. Yeah. And make new adventures and find new awesome things. Because yeah. stuff will rise from the fucking ashes of all this shit. Though, you know, we may, we may actually see some really cool shit come out of this. Because... As places are shutting down, the building owners got to try and make some income at some point, and there might the rents may go down. Other people that weren't in such a great financial position to have establishments may open up some awesome things. Never know. Definitely a shakeup. Shakeups are uncomfortable, but generally some good shit can come from them. Yeah, agreed. And that's you know one of the important things in life is fucking be uncomfortable sometimes and they'll fucking produce amazing results. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Art is pain. <laughs> Life is pain. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, I, I'm really excited and a little anxious about what the future holds after this. Yeah, we we don't know. We don't fucking know. Like, what like going to a concert's going to be fucking like. Live Nation was talking about, like, when they're reopening, one of their plans is to, like, make sure that you have, like, a 24-hour COVID test and then have you sign a waiver that if you get sick, then you can They're not liable and temperature check everyone as they come in. I like that. I want to see how they'll be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's a great idea. Let's see it. Yeah. Let's see the execution on like some stadium show. We're going to a football game and being like, and even if that is the precaution, then, Unless the vaccine's really kicking in, that, that ain't going to matter. Still, people are going to get sick. I, you know, for me, I want to. I want to go to shows again. I want to travel again, and I'm just really curious to see what the world's going to look like trying to do that shit in the future. Just shit we took for fucking granted. You know, hanging out in bars and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Is it all going to be reduced hang- capacity <laughs> forever? Yeah. Just hang hanging out in general. Yeah. It's amazing how much, like, oh, yeah, just popping into my local bar and being like, oh, I'm going to see people because I just feel like getting out of my house and just like, oh, hey, that's not an option. But I'm super glad we're not doing this in 1918. Definitely. We're much better prepared for it. Yeah. We just have a lot more distractions. How would you spend your days if you're just stuck at home, like, with 1918 technology? I would say gardening. (laughs) out there just growing that food growing that food (laughs) so many books read so many so many many. all of the classic books but at least at that point yeah yeah it wouldn't be looked down upon to just be pissed drunk all day either yeah yeah well the the roaring 20s came out of the 1918 pandemic so We'll see what comes out of this one. It is the twenties. It is. It is the twenties. I was actually joke half joking about this to see what kind of like modern age outlaw, you know, bank robbers and stuff like that, that we get to see out of this shit like that. You know, a lot of the boring twenties, thirties gangsters came out of depression era politics and the pandemics and all these things. It'd be real interesting, like when the common people who would never think about a life of crime just all of a sudden turn to it because they have no other fucking options. Yeah, man, it's upon us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, almost every form of the internet just became illegal today, so, or yesterday. Because the new copyright law that got passed as part of the spending bill. Technically, it's illegal to share someone else's meme. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? I, I may look at doing 10 years for sharing a meme. Were you aware of that? Or Yeah. I mean, what it makes me think is like 
in the beginning of Instagram, I was very adamant about like, nah, man, everything you see here is something like, this is my content. This is something that I've made. And that just wasn't heavily rewarded on, on social media platforms. They seem to be all about sharing. Like you guys just want to share the same thing that's being shared. All right. So I finally got on board with that and started reposting other people's memes because like, (laughs) that's what you do on the internet, right? Well, if it's changed, it's like, oh, good. So I'll go back to creating original content. I'm good at it. <laughs> I'm okay at it, but the problem is I a lot of my original content, I borrow stuff from. Yeah, but, but like now examine what made your old content a success and make it yourself. You're a content creator. You know how to do it. You just have to add a couple extra steps. And like you look, not everybody can do that. That's where it's time to it, like it's sink or swim in this way. Yeah, yeah. Rules change. Rules change. We like we can fight it, and like hopefully it gets repealed. But like, I'm I'm not going to spend another second complaining about it. I'm just going to like start playing with a different set of rules that have been put upon us. Yeah, I I I need to see how it plays out because one of my income streams right now is Twitch streaming, which technically Mm -hmm. all those video games fall under this violation too. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of the the content plays makes me playing copywritten stuff so like i don't know if i should just be a like abandon that revenue stream right here right now or right you have to show why are the people interested in the game you're playing or are they interested in you playing the game both okay so just try making it you playing the game without seeing the game yeah, I mean that's the, really the only option. Great, yeah. Make make your background work more on on the shot of you than the game. You know, the game is no longer your crutch. But I like crutches. But I like. Yeah. They don't actually help you walk. No, no they just support my fat ass. Yeah, now you got to stand on the painful part and walk through it. <laughs> walk through it. Yeah, so, I, you're ready. You're uh, ready. I believe in you. I'm gonna have to. I mean. Luckily, this is the main thing, and this is original content. So, yeah, it was just my pandemic crutch of doing stuff that involves a lot of copywritten things. Because, in addition to the Twitch streaming, I've been making, you know, silly YouTube videos that involve the Twitch streams, but also will have stuff that, like, you know, pop ups from movies in between them and shit like that, which I just can't do. Definitely. I, I love it. And, like, it's, it's sad that that era is now gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least temporarily. But, I, at least temporarily. I can't stand... So, so like, think, think about how this might affect adult films and adult film producers. Like, somebody's playing my content somewhere else. I have a legal pathway to, to really have it pay off for me. Like, good. Assholes, play it. Steal my stuff. And if now I have a legal gateway to, like, get the money that you're making from this, because, like, how dare you pirate it? I didn't say you could do that. You're a pirate. And like that's what everybody's been saying for a long time. We all just pretended like we weren't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, right. It's 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 a terrible reality because like we all love doing it. It's so fun. I, I'm definitely guilty of it. Um. Well, but like oh, we can do it. We can do it. I gotta. I mean, I'm sure the technology's out there to be able to encode, you know, content with a fingerprint, you know, footprint, fingerprint, where you could tell like, oh, this is mine. Where if, yeah, I mean, I just always start with the simple watermark. 
right? So oh. like I found my content on on other websites that don't credit back to me, but like it's definitely my video. I certainly not only is it me and like I shot it, but here's my watermark. So at least if you've you've stolen this, everyone looks at what the website is and will still maybe make it back to me as a last ditch effort. But as of today, you could start going after those sites in small claims court. I sure can. <laughs> this this is going to be yeah. weird new business for the adult entertainment industry. Is just you know, con- original content creators just being like, oh, now we can actually go after pirates because in all things, I feel like porn piracy is still the worst piracy that's happening compared to all the other forms of entertainment. Yeah, what everybody was so upset about Pornhub doing for so long is in the beginning, they were just stealing content, right? So, like, no matter how much you like them now, in the beginning, they just uploaded other people's videos and there was no way to stop them. They became a giant and we had to succumb to the empire. Well, now it's only verified content creators. Why? Because the rest of it was pirated content. Yep. Well, unfortunately, it was Visa and MasterCard that brought that change around, not doing the right thing yes it is very (laughs) unfortunate because when instead of negotiating you get things taken away by the hand of someone else there wasn't there wasn't this like we can get this out of it we can get this out of it and this can actually be a mutual beneficial thing for both of us there's just a nope daddy's home you two stop fighting yep yep It'll be it'll be interesting because there are, you know, there are whole Discord servers out there of people's pirated OnlyFans content, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know under this law like is, I believe Discord's liable. I don't know if Discord itself is liable or the server owner or I I, th- I think Discord becomes liable, which means that it will likely just be taken down. All of these laws, especially because there's one on the books for that directly affects the adult entertainment industry right now that hasn't passed yet, which is going to hurt so many content creators. Yeah. I don't know the name of it. uh, It's the one where it's like stop uh, the sexual, sexual exploitation act or something like that. Oh, it's like S E I, yeah, C A or something like that. Something like that. Where it's it's ludicrous. It's going to negatively hurt small content creators, especially if they have their own platforms. You know, if you wanted to maintain MichaelVegas.com, you'd have to legally maintain a twenty-four hour hotline where people could demand takedowns. Weird. Yeah, it's in the fucking law. And if, if someone calls to demand a takedown because they didn't consent to being in that porn, quote-unquote, you have to take it down within mm-hmm. two hours. What if you have paperwork? Technically, they consented at that point. Well, that's fine. No. Well, and that's what well, my point to any of my friends who are civilians who have been like, well, this is just protecting people. Like, If there's not 2257 paperwork in the first place, it's not legally made porn in the first place. That is exactly like, man, you know, Susie Q and I have been out here preaching this to people and like, 
adult that law will give you all sorts of legal resources on how to deal with this and like cheap lawyer advice on how to adult industry but like people come into it thinking it's just like it's not a business it doesn't require legal things like you can just go do whatever you want but like no man there have been legal cases fought in battles about sexual exploitation and underage pornography that we have to maintain these standards in order to legally make it and if you're not doing it and didn't have the paperwork like yeah, it shouldn't be on the internet. I'm sorry. I was like, it's unfortunate that you all didn't read the rules when you started playing the game. Right. We tried to tell you from step one. It is hard to swallow sometimes. But the problem is, it may result in places like Twitter not having not safe for content on it anymore because it just may not be worth it for Twitter to keep the enforcement of having a 24 hour hotline and takedowns on Twitter. Then just be like, Blanket ban all porn, pornographic fucking content. Yeah, well, you know, some platforms know what they're for. You may even see some place like OnlyFans do that shit because they don't want the fucking headaches of it. Who knows? And then something will rise out of that that has a simple ta- a simple thing such as an automated hotline that can help you go in a circle until you don't want to register a complaint or finally get to the end where you take an automated complaint. And then that platform that was willing to spend the small amount of money is now making OnlyFans money and they can go fuck themselves. Sorry, everybody. This is how advancement works. <laughs> the, making a third-party hotline company was kind of an idea I was thinking of. I mean, I mean, like, look, if, if, if something gets, something that's working gets destroyed by current law, sorry, don't sit there and cry about it. Make a new one. Well, hopefully we can, <laughs> just gotta keep moving. hopefully we can fight that law and it doesn't have to fucking pass. Cause that one, exactly. cause the problem is I've read the actual like lettering, the, you know, text of the bill. It, there's nothing spelled out in it on how a caller has to verify that they are the performer and that they don't consent. There's right. nothing spelled out in it. Yeah. So, so, so keep doing it until there's a, a legal battle fought constitutionally around it that says more specific language according to this bill that was written. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. you can call me like, I'm Susie Q take down this content. They'll be like, uh, by the letter of the law, I have to, cause this man who obviously is not Susie Q says he's Susie Q. Like, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's potentially yes, it could be horrible, yeah. but also potentially it could just be if you've been making content within the confines of the law currently, you will all of a sudden find yourself at the top of the game. Yeah, I mean, performers out there that are listening, if you are shooting OnlyFans content and you're not getting twenty two fifty seven paperwork, you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. That's true. I have a lot of content that I have, you know, I've been chasing people down because I forgot to get them to sign the paperwork. Cause like, it's hard to remember to do all these things, especially when you're horny and trying to have sex with one of your friends, well, like making them sign paperwork beforehand is like some, like sometimes I've just forgotten. I think like it's good to have a crew. So the crew can be like, Hey Michael, like do paperwork. Yeah, like, that's, oh, fuck yes. That's, that's, right. that's why you need a good PA. That's, that's their fucking job. It's like, yes. give, give me your bunny ears, sign this fucking paperwork. Yeah. Now you two go have um, sex. You know, and then the organization of it, there's like organizational tools to help people do it now. So, like, we just, and you can go back if, like, if you're afraid of this happening, do the work that it takes, go back through your content, 
find the people and estimate when the scene was shot and say, Hey, we have, I have this scene that I want to keep using. Um, am I allowed to use it? You're in it. Do you have a copy of it? Would you like it? I'll send you paperwork too. Do you want it? Okay. Yes. Good. Go on about your day. It has now become a legal piece of content. Yep. They consented to it on paper. Like, I've definitely gone back and written up paperwork that was destroyed or redone to make up for the scene so it can legally be used on the internet. It's not an impossibility. We're not destroying people's chances in the future. We're just creating, you know, someone put their foot down was like, you have to do this so we can stop having potentially exploited people online. That's like, it's, uh, yeah. And I no, hate the way, I hate the way it was done. I hate the way it was done. I hate the way it was done. Well, and it was one of those things where, like, I referred to this as to one of my friends, like, they decided to go for an amputation when all we needed was some stitches. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, the person with the axe that doesn't have time to deal with the small cut comes through and sees this thing that's trying to gangrene and he just cuts off the limb yeah. instead of dealing with the wound, just like you said. So it's like, you should have just, you should have worked it out. <laughs> Yeah, and no, nobody, nobody who works in this industry wants to see exploited people and people that did not consent on film. No one. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. No one yeah. is. No one is. Uh, no one is out here cheering for those assholes who uh, was girls do porn. Oh, yeah. No one's cheering for those assholes. Like we all want to see, yeah. them, punished. We all want to see them punished. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so if there isn't, you know, if it's done amorally you know i've been part of apac the adult performer advocacy committee and we work with fsc and we work with other groups to try to try to clean up this town like i love the adult industry and we're trying to make it a place that is safe for people to come like to be performers you know it's very it's the entertainment space it can be very exploitative and we're hoping to educate people so they don't exploit themselves on accidents. So they don't exploit other people because a lot of people aren't trying to do it. They just, just don't know any better. It well, happens and, and people. And unfortunately it is not in some people's best interest to educate newer performers. And that's a lot of the reason it doesn't happen because it's just not in some people's best that's interest. Exploita- just- that's exploitation because they're not going into it with like full knowledge of the situation. So, yeah, and it, some people can't educate new performers because they just don't know. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people who have been in this industry a long time don't understand a lot of the rules and regs and laws that go into this. It's amazing. Like, I have never been a performer. I've never wanted to be a performer. Hell, I've never actually produced content for myself. But I'm fairly aware of the regs, the laws, and things that have to go into this. And I talked to performers who have been in for years who don't know things like your agent legally has to, in the state of California, maintain workers' comp insurance for you if your set is underinsured. You're injured on yes. set. Your agent has to provide you with workers' comp. And I get performers who look at me like, what? Huh? And to me, it's just like, this feels like 101 shit. Like, you know, this is like porn 101. These are things you should know. Yeah, Exactly. And hopefully we get to a point where people you know, get in and are, are taught these things. So 
we have a cleaner environment just because more above board the environment is it gives less of the world that wants to beat porn down and destroy it gives them less chance to do so i feel like it comes down to unionized practices and unionized labor where you can have like it's like here's you know now there's a right now there's a bunch of independent gateways to get into this porn world this porn world of acting and if you had a more consolidated gateway where it's like these sets are unionized sets and they understand that the rules are this we've all come together and we've talked about it and we've agreed into the system go forth little little birdies you're likely to be able to do some safe acting on these sets because there aren't people that have faulty stunt equipment don't give you a meal on time don't provide water or sanitary supplies. Like, you know what I mean? Like just simple things that like, that's what unions are for. So how do you unionize cats? It's hard. It, it's, it's really difficult to help. And there technically is a union right now somewhere out there. Isn't there that everyone just kind of went. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the person who's in charge of it starts fights. Um, and so it's not, it's not something that's easy to be a part of. Like I see what they're doing, and sometimes, sometimes their mission is lost, their message is lost because of the, because of its delivery. And it's just like, ah, it's like, it's not always a good look, and it's not really getting anything done, um, forward facing enough for people to understand why to do it. Previously, people wouldn't. Like now is it's time to come up because previously we weren't making enough money to just be like, no, we're not going to show up to these mainstream sets and give what they take us. Now that we have our own ways to feed ourselves, it's like we don't have to show up at these mainstream sets. I don't need to be a part of a union because I'm making money for myself on my own terms with my own camera about myself. Right. right. So. So how do you get people to unionize that don't need it? Yeah. Like it's different. It's different now. So the environment has changed so rapidly that like, who knows? You know, there's still there's still the need for it. Those mainstream sets still exist in a way. Some of them may have gone by the wayside. Some people have, may have gotten training by now. So like, it's like it's it's different. We'll see where we get. Twenty twenty one is going to be a very interesting year to see how the industry goes forward altogether. But there are definitely going to be changes with how content's created, how content's bought, how content is, you know, what studios are still around, who decides this business is still worth it for them. Big change is coming. And, and like, guess what, everybody? They're not fucking around. Make content the legal way. 100%. Yeah, it's like... There's just—they're not going to show you any mercy because you're just some random content creator on the internet. Like, I'm just—I'm just a lowly porn performer. Why would they look at me? Or like, who knows? But they might. And then we hear a complaint from you—that's a "what was me" story that could have been prevented. Like, let's let's work on preventing stuff and seeing where the. Like, let's look ahead at the road and see where the holes, potholes are and, like, jump over them. Well, one, one question I have for you, you may or may not know the answer. I know you're not a lawyer. 
but this is something Federosi had mentioned Might to me. Join adult.law because you have access to lawyers in a subscription-based service. And it's like a hundred bucks a month and you get to actually speak to a lawyer that and like listen to these podcasts and informationals that is like has the real answers to most of the topics that I've brought up, which is which is why I'm looking at you this way. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you know the answer, maybe you'll have to go to adultlaw.com, but Federosi mentioned this to me years ago when I was thinking about creating content when I still lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Because legally, pornography is only legal to be created in California and New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Technically, a 2257 model release isn't binding Nevada, Florida, any other place you're creating content. Because you cannot create a contract for something that's illegal. So, th- well, not many people obey that law, do they? Oh, no, they certainly don't. But the thing about it is, with this new consent law, if you even got your model releases and everything like that, and you're shooting in Vegas, could that performer turn around and be like, nope, take that scene down at this point? That's. That is an unfought legal battle is the answer. Like we don't know. There hasn't been a legal case fought in court over it. And that's where the law exists and where lawyers exist is to talk about loopholes and things. And so like maybe are the consent laws, close enough in Nevada to California that it still counts or, or do we ask that because it was created somewhere where pornography is technically illegal, that this was an illegal non-binding contract. Yeah. That's real interesting. I'm not giving any Vegas performers ideas. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just, but if you had that question, you could go on adult law, adult law and uh, find out for real. Now, like that's a great question. I would, like, like, I need to write that down. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll text it end. to you. Yeah, I'll, because because let it, let me try to get an answer for you. I bet I can get a podcast done about this very thing, or there is likely one that is already available on the website. Yeah, no, it was just one of those things where, like, because a lot of people from the industry do listen to this, and it was just one of those things where, like, that was a concern because when I was thinking about making content when I still lived in Chicago, Federosi at the time just said. If someone challenges, you know, you got to get the 2257 paperwork for the feds. But if someone challenges the model release and it was shot in Chicago, you just have to take it down, is what he told me at yeah. the time. That's that's pretty much right. You know, there's, there's no pulling any punches about it. That's just what the law says. That's why it's, in, you know, you think everybody doesn't want to just go to... New Hampshire or Arizona or wherever it's cheap to live and make these movies. Like reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it'll be, it'll be real interesting to see how that happens. If start legal challenges start happening from it. Yeah. Um, hopefully they don't happen like we have predicted they could. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully someone starts pressuring lawmakers in at least Nevada to like change the laws on the books. Michael, I promise you I'd get you out of here. It's been a goddamn pleasure. Matt, thank you so much. It's always a great time talking to you. You as well. But before you run, where can they find you on the things? Oh, there's so many places to find me, so I'm going to go through all of them. Please do. 
the one where you can see me doing the most outrageous, crazy pegging scenes is peghim.com. And the one, if you want to see my artwork, you can go to thesoulthiefvision.com. The Soul Thief Vision sticker I made. <clears throat> um, and, you know, that's photography work ranging from landscape to portrait to abstract to adventure party. Like, I just love using my camera and you can go check out some of the some of my favorite shots there. That bridges over into Instagram, where at Soul Thief Vision, not the, I think, is it the, yeah, at Soul Thief Vision on, on Instagram, will get you just so many cool photos you don't even know what to do with yourself. And then there's the Michael Vegas Instagram, which is obviously my performer page, but since that is likely to arbitrarily be taken down i started one that is pig daddy underscore and that's just michael hell yeah hell yeah check out michael on all his things what, yeah what else what else do i have oh at it's michael vegas on twitter um yeah, yeah. i do business it's, it's fun and if, thoughts if people want to look into apac where could they go for that? Uh, let's see. You know, I haven't been a part of APAC for the, the board changed over and I, I can't remember the website address, but it's APAC social on Twitter. It will be a good way to get in contact with anybody you need from APAC. Um, it's the best bridge to start. Hell yeah. APAC.com, APAC.org. I don't, I don't know, but, Look up Adult Performer Advocacy Committee. You'll find it. And they do good things. They really do. They do good things. They're there fighting for performers' rights. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Michael, it was a pleasure. And as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer until they copyright ban me out of existence. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter and Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, Drink up, motherfuckers. 